You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. Without further ado, we are getting into the Word of God this morning. And um, I'm not actually going to be teaching like one or two or three verses out of a text, but we're going to be doing a recap of the last nine months over the three chapters we've studied in the Sermon on the Mount. So you can open to Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Um, Open up there. Have that in front of you because what I want to do today is really allow God to just remind us, speak to us, reflect upon where he's had us the last nine months. And I know not all of us have been here for that. Uh, Maybe you're new, try to catch you up and pull you into what God has been doing in our church and on Sundays and through his word. But if you know, last week, um, Abby, incredible, uh, she just finished the text of chapter 7. And so what we want to do is before we move on, What I want to do today, before we just jump into another thing, because we're real good at that. We're good at always thinking forward, what's ahead, the future, especially even me um, and our church. It's easy to go to the next sermon series or the next thing, and Easter's upon us. The Sermon on the Mount was great, and let's just move on. But what I really feel like God wants to do today, whether you've been here every single Sunday since last August 1st when we started this, or this is your first Sunday, or, you know, in between, what I believe that God wants to do is just remind us um, what he's done and to even reflect upon and even um, to ask some challenging questions. And, and really, it's have we grown or not? Have we grown in all these areas? I mean, there's like 30 different subjects that Jesus himself has presented in these 30 chapters. And so, what have we done with his words, right? What have, have we grown? Have we, what have we done with them? Or has it just been head knowledge, right? So what I want to do today is really just to remind us as Christians, like who we're supposed to be, um, really why we, why we did this series, what was the hope and in it, and then also ask some challenging questions and allow time for reflection and response. Um, but let me pray for this time. God, thank you so much for the last nine months, specifically in this section of your word. God, we take your word as a gift. We believe that, it's God, that, that what we've studied these last nine months has been God-breathed and God-inspired and profitable for our edification and our teaching and equipping and correction. And God, before we move on, Before we move on to the next thing, I just pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would minister and and really solidify what you've done the last nine months or even challenge us even more as we pause and look back at the things you've spoken. And God, I, I pray that we would sense that your love in this, that as we're challenged to, to ask, hey, how, how are we? Have we grown in this area? Have we grown in that area? That we wouldn't, you know, 
God, your loving kindness is what leads us to repentance. It's, it's, you desire us to grow and be refined and be corrected and be challenged. But God, we know it's because you're a good, good father and you di- desire good things for your kids. And so we just say, God, Father, we, we give you this time. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as Christians, if you call yourself a Christian... Who are supposed to be a large part of what should make up what we are is to be, it's to be a learning community. A community that is always learning and growing and being transformed. If you call yourself a disciple or a follower of Jesus, you could also say, I'm a learner of Jesus. Or I'm, I'm an apprentice of Jesus. I, I learn from him. I study under him. And so as followers, again, this is if you don't consider yourself a Christian or a follower or a disciple of Jesus, right, you wouldn't necessarily agree with this. But for a lot of us in here, myself included, as a follower of Jesus Christ, we are to, be, to, to constantly, we're supposed to constantly be in a posture of growing and of learning. Like we're never a finished product this side of seeing Jesus face to face. As long as you've been in the church, doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for decades upon decades and you have your doctorate in theology, we're all supposed to have the posture of learning from our Lord and our teacher and we're supposed to come with open ears and open eyes and open hearts to say, here I am, Lord, shape me and refine me and mold me to be more like you. When we do this, we, 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 we are supposed to do this, come to the Lord and come to his word and in a posture of growing and learning because we're made to bear the image of God in our lives. We're made to bear the image of God in our lives. And if you go back to the beginning of Scripture, the first couple chapters, first couple pages of your Bible, you'll see that sin messed that perfect design all up. Right? The garden and the creation story, sin entering the world. Now we all have become broken and we're far off from God and we have a sin nature. And it's wreaked havoc on ourselves and on the world around us. Right? When you line up our behavior and humanity and history to God's design, you realize, oh my goodness, like sin has made a mess. Our brokenness has made a mess of the entire world, and we still are like in it. We're still experiencing the effects of what sin has done in our world, like daily. And as Christians now, we stand in this place where God has redeemed us through Christ, and is in the process of restoring us each back into that perfect design that we were supposed to be like. We're works in progress. We're being restored and redeemed and renewed back to, constantly growing and learning, constantly in process to become more like Jesus. The Christian walk is to be this ongoing spiritual transformation. If any Christian or any church or any pastor or anybody's like, well, I got it all together. I'd be like, no, you don't. 
doesn't matter how spiritual you are. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. Like, we're at a level playing field when it comes to our growth, our posture. This is an ongoing spiritual transformation. And that each of us should be in. And, and again, if in fact you identify as a follower of Jesus. And this process, big word, probably heard it though, is called Sanctification. To be sanctified, to be set apart, to be made holy. You're in the process of doing that. And simply, sanctification is that little by little, more and more, our lives begin to look more like the life of Jesus. That's, I mean, if I was talking to my six-year-old son, freshly six, had his birthday this week. If I was going to say, this is what sanctification is, Liam. I would say it's, it's so that you, your actions and your thoughts and your, your deeds and how you treat people and how you view the world around you is the way that Jesus would. And your life becomes more like his. So when you read about Jesus, you compare your life to his. Is your life more like his or less like his as time goes on? Right? That's the process of sanctification. That our lives bear the image of God in us. Right, and if you, if, again, this is kind of where the questions start, but if we were going to look at our life, be honest, or if we were going to ask someone really close to us and say, does my life look like the life of Jesus? Do you see Jesus in me? Do you see how Jesus would treat others the way I treat others? What would people say? What would you say? Are, are, are people seeing Christ through you? Does your life... Point them to Jesus, right? These are all the same question put in different ways, same idea. But again, sanctification is this idea that our lives show his attributes, God's attributes. Or our actions speak of his character. Or our character mimics and echoes his own. That doesn't mean that we all can't have unique personalities and traits and that we're extroverted or introverted or you're into different hobbies or whatever it is. Like, obviously, we're created uniquely, beautifully by God. But in your uniqueness, in your personality, with your giftings, with your resources, do your lives show his attributes? Do my actions speak of his character? Do our character mimic and echo the life of Jesus? And again, the reason why we even like entered into this nine-month series looking at the most famous sermon that we have of Jesus, this, 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 for three chapters, it's Jesus communicating the way in which the Christian and the follower of Jesus is supposed to live and interact and prioritize and where the heart and intentions of the Christian is supposed to be is that so that we could sit ourselves under our teacher and learn. What, Jesus, is it that you want me to be like? You're my teacher. I'm the student. I'm in a posture of growth and learning, a work in progress. And so the reason why we put ourselves in this series was so that the hope was, the prayer was weekly, so that we would grow, we would change, and we become more like him. And also, obviously, with so many things happening in the world and with all of us daily having to process what's happening and make decisions, 
of what we think and how we act, right? That's been like two years of constant bombardment of there's something happening. What do I think about that? And then how do I respond to that? What do I feel is right to do? We've been constantly, the, you know, the world and the time we live in has, has asked that of us. So the hope was, not only do we want to be shaped into the image of Jesus, but the hope was that the words of Jesus have meant to be like a guide, a plumb line, um, the very thing in which we use as a lens to see and interpret the world around us. The hope was is to like imprint the words of Jesus on the tablet of our hearts so that when something happens, we would know, well, what would Jesus do? What would he say? How would he act? What does he feel? What's his heart in this matter? And for those of us that have been with us in part or all of these last nine months, again, I want us to pause and reflect on our growth. Have we grown in these areas? Have we not? Thinking of it like maybe, maybe it's a bad example because you have negative connotations of school. But this would be looking back at like your whole school year of a, a certain grade or maybe it's a certain class. And it would be saying, have you learned more? Have you grown? Do you know more? And not just knowledge. Right? That's maybe more school. But this is more life transformation growth. So this is, the, that, this, is the, this idea this morning. We're looking back at nine months on all these subjects that Jesus said, and we're saying, have I grown in that area? And so I'm going to walk us a bit through some of the things Jesus brought up over these three chapters that we studied these last nine months. And as I read it, I'd love if you would take a few seconds to think about and reflect upon these things for yourself, not for anyone else in your life, for, for, for each of us. And possibly what might be helpful, and I'm going to say this with caution, you can pull out your phone, you can go to your notes, if you don't have notes to jot down, and I, I think it'd be helpful to like your quick response to, to say, how have you grown in this area? Because I'm going to say like a series of questions. I think it'd be helpful you can keep a secret if you want or whatever. But even this week, you can keep it coming up. You can, you can, you can look back and, and say, okay, like an honest assessment of where I've grown and where I haven't grown in areas to praise or to pray about. So I'd, I'd encourage you to do that right now. So, so here, here's a few things. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 that Jesus has done. Here's the, here's the prompting growth questions. How... Is our witness to those around us? Do people in our lives see God reflected in our life? Do, do they see God reflected in our lives? Again, just think about the last nine months. How is your witness to those people around you? Like people at your work, do they know you're a Christian? Why, why do they not know if they don't? I know these are like, oh, Riz, why are you asking this? Because the whole Sermon of the Mount has done this, and I'm just reminding us. Do, do people see Jesus in your life through the email you sent last week? I don't actually know of an email. I'm just throwing it out there because I know we all sent them. Your neighbor, like the person you live right next door to, that family member, do they... 
Okay, so this, this is what Jesus said, Matthew 5, 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, Christians. But if a salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Christians, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they might see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I was like nine months ago when we studied that. But that was the words of Jesus in Matthew 5. Moving on through that chapter, this is my next question for all of us. Have we grown in reconciliation with relationships in our lives? Oh, this is a doozy. We all have relationships, we all have complicated ones, and we all have broken ones, and we've all been hurt. But Jesus has prompted us in the Sermon on the Mount to be people and ministers of reconciliation. The same way that we were reconciled to God through him on the cross, we are to reconcile with people around us. Forgive, communicate, talk about like broken spaces in our lives. One of the hardest things that we can do in this life is to try to mend or talk about or meet about relationships that we've wronged, they've wronged us, the broken parts. Have we grown in reconciling with people in our lives over these last nine months? Or perhaps are there people that we still need to meet with, call back? We all do. I'm not calling anyone out. We all do. Because Jesus says, right, Matthew 23 through 24, maybe like seven months ago, we talked about this. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and then remember that your brother or sister has, some, has something against you, leave your gift in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Jesus is big into reconciliation. Even before you worship me, that's the context there. Before you even worship me, go reconcile. I'm so about trying through the power of the Holy Spirit, by my word, to help you to try to reconcile. Jesus would go on in that chapter. And the question I have for us is, have we, this is, this is very, very, very relevant right now. Have we grown in love for those who we consider our enemies? Have we grown in love towards those who we consider our enemies? Okay, so the, the last couple years has taught us, like, let's distance, let's not hang out, let's divide. Okay, I understand. It's so complicated. I'm not even going to, don't worry, I'm not going to get anything. But those that we consider our enemies, that are different, that, that, are, that we consider our enemies. And that could be a different group, a different party, a different issue, whatever it is. Different stance. Have you grown in love towards them? Sorry, these are so convicting. We're going to take it to the feet of Jesus and we're all going to grow together. Because we're all in this. But again, Jesus, Matthew 5, 43 through 46, he says, You have heard that it was said... Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, 
Right? Jesus' paradigm is so different. He says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. It's crazy. He says, like, the way in which you're known as my children is this, that if you love your enemies and you pray for those who persecute you. Wow. How counterintuitive, right, to the world. We as Christians are supposed to be like, hey, you know what? Yeah. Quote, unquote, you're my enemy, but you know what? I'm going to love you still. I'm going to pray for you. Despite me still feeling the way I feel, I'm going to take you and us to the Lord. I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to love you despite our differences. Radical. That's why Christians are, like, out of this world. They're supposed to be. (laughs) Outside of party, outside of everything. Outside of issue, outside of stance, and go, love and pray for everybody. Despite differences. In light of them. You guys good? Too much conviction? Sorry, I'm with you. Jesus has a lot of love, a lot of grace, and again, this is an opportunity for growth. Going into chapter 6, next question. Have we become more generous? Have we grown in giving? I don't just mean money. I mean time. I mean resources. I mean you pouring out to someone around you. Could be in the church, could be your neighbor, could be a family member. Just generosity in general. I know some of us have little, some of us have more. Have we, over the last nine months, just, just to, you know, to allow us to be prompted, have we become more generous and have we grown in giving? Or have we not? Matthew 6, 2 through 4. Again, because Jesus said... So when you give to the needy, he doesn't say like, he's just saying you should do it. So when you do it, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in their synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And again, this is all talking about the posture and the intention behind our giving. But I think it would be good to look back and go, oh, yeah, have, have I grown in giving? Have I been more generous in my life or have I not? Again, Jesus, like one-two punch here a little bit. Like, okay, continuing on. A few verses later, he, he prompts us in how to pray. And so a question I would ask us also, if you have notes, you can write it down, is have we grown in our prayer life? Have we grown in our prayer life? Are we asking God for like bigger things? Or are, we, are we spending more time communing with him in prayer? Are we ask, seeking, and knocking? Because again, Jesus prompts us in Matthew 6, 19 through 13. Um, he said, this is how you should pray. And he said, our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts so that we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Have we gone in prayer? Moving on. Uh, Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Um, Jesus talks about treasure. And so my question, again, end of the year question, end of the study question is, have we prioritized living to store up heavenly reward or earthly treasure? 
over these last nine months? Have we even thought about that question? Have we thought about what we're living for and really what our priorities are and really are we living for heaven? Are we living for earth? Like, have we thought about that? Have we acted upon that? Because again, Jesus said, right, Matthew 6, 19 through 21, he said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy but where th- and, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus goes on at the end of Matthew 6 and he talks about worry. Right? Worry, anxiety, stress, like all of us probably had more stuff that we've worried about these last couple of years. But if we we're going to look back at the last nine months, did we worry more or less than we did nine months ago? Thinking back to last summer, summer of 2021, are we more worry, more full of worry, more anxious, more stressed now than then? Or how, how, how are we doing? Again, because Jesus said, He said, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. Do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that uh, is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows, what, uh, knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And the last one, before kind of giving some application... Abby spoke on it last week, Matthew 7. The question I would pose is, have we put God's word into practice? Have we lived out the word of God and what we've heard? Have we trusted and believed God's word for our lives? Is, that the, is God's word the thing that informs how we should live? And have we walked out? Because again, last week's text is, therefore, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, and they beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. So, again, I know that was a lot. I know it was a lot. It was like nine months, three chapters, the most famous sermon. But for most of us, our answers are most likely really mixed. Um, and your, the answers to those questions, I mean. Either you've, you're encouraged because you're like, wow, yeah, like I am less, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm less worried or 
I, I have grown in prayer or, yeah, you know what? I've, I've prioritized like heaven over things of the earth. Like, right, right? You're either encouraged, looking back, wow, I've grown. Or possibly, for maybe, I mean, for all of us for sure, one, two, or all are convicting or challenging. Because it's like, oh, wow. Like, I, I haven't. Oh, no. Like, what happened? Right? And I, again, I don't want to move past this moment too quickly, especially, like, let's talk about if we have grown for a second. So for those of us that, like, said yes or said I've grown or I've changed or to any of those, like, ten questions I just, ten subjects I just said, I don't want to move past so quickly because I want us to be thankful and praise God for growth. Like, I do not want to miss out, and on, I want us to rejoice in the Spirit's work in each of us. Because I want to challenge and encourage you even to share about your growth with other Christian brothers and sisters in community. Again, not to boast in yourself, but to be like, hey, I just wanted to share. Like, I'm really encouraged. Like, I've grown. I've let that go, or God's changed my heart here. I know, being a pastor, I mostly hear, like, bad parts of life. It's fine. It's part of, part of it, part of life. I mean, a lot of life is bad. But when I hear, like, an encouragement, I don't hear, like, a lot of, like, God did this. He changed me. He freed me. I, w- I want it because I'm encouraged by what God's doing in you. And the same will be true as you share growth with other brothers and sisters in your life. It's encouraging to hear when God is changing and growing and freeing and refining and making you more like Jesus. I encourage you to share growth with people in your life. And don't take growth in Christ lightly. Think about it. The devil, the flesh, the world has not wanted this for you. Not at all. It's in constant opposition. But by God's word and by his spirit, you've grown. You become more like him. That is a work of God. Do not take credit for that in a second, for a second. When you grow in Christ, there is so much against that. There's so much that does not want you to have a heavenly mindset, that does not want you to be generous, that does not want you to love others and reconcile with them, that does not want you to live for heaven. So if you have grown, like, guys, sit in that and praise God and thank God and testify that and share that to other people, knowing it's not you, but it's God in you. Amen? But again, like all of us, in one or more of those questions, if, if we look back, And if there's not growth in those areas, if we have not grown or become like Jesus or in those areas, this would be a perfect time to ask ourselves some hard questions. Right? Like, again, this is a we thing, not a pastor to you thing. This is not. This is me here with you asking, okay, like I've sat under the teachings of Jesus for nine months and why haven't I grown in that area? Like, what, is, what has stopped me? What has stopped us? What has stopped us from growing? That's a hard question to ask, but it's necessary, right? Like, what stopped us? Again, this is, like, for most of us that have been here, but if you haven't, still, like, what stopped us from, what's, what's impeded our growth? What is in our hearts or in our minds or in our life that's happened? And again, I, I want us to try to Avoid blaming anything or anyone else other than yourself. For all of us, it's good right now that we take full responsibility. 
Oh, but it's busy. No, I know, I know. Join, join the club. I can't use that excuse anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I want us to take full responsibility between us and Jesus, knowing he has so much love and so much grace and desires so much growth, but just to be honest and be like, okay, wow. Like, I want to sit in that. Take responsibility. Okay, like, why haven't I grown? Why haven't I changed? Why haven't I given that thing up? Again, heart check. Heart assessment. It's challenging, but it's good. Between us and the Lord. And again, so often we view, like, what's next and what's coming? But today, I just want us to sit in, like, this honest reflection and honest assessment of, like, how did we do? And what will we do with that? I know for me, this has been really challenging. Because I I look at some of those, and I've been a Christian for a long time. I'm a pastor. And I go, oh, man, like, I've wanted to do those things. I've wanted to grow. But again, I don't, I, don't, I don't wallow in that. I don't go like, oh, woe is me. I go, okay, like, this is an opportunity for me to take those things to the Lord now. But also I see some of these and I'm like really encouraged and excited because I'm like, wow, like, Lord, thank you for doing this work in me. I'm so encouraged. Like, it's a both and. It's not, it's not one or the other. And so I believe the right response from these challenging questions should be both. It should be praise and it should be prayer. should be both. Like we should praise God for what he's done in us. There's, I know your guys' life. There's been incredible growth, healing, restoration, reconciled relationships. Like there's been incredible growth. But again, all of us have more growth to do. It's both. But I want us to sit in that tension. And I want us each to have our own story right now between us and the Lord. And it's different. I want to encourage all of us to praise him for what he's done in us, in our family, in our friends, in our community. But also I want us to be honest and pray for the areas in our life that are still in need of growth. Knowing that we have a good, good father that's not going to punish us for these things, but rather in open arms wants to like come and like talk with and commune with and help us to grow like a good loving dad so badly wants the best for us and isn't coming with like punishment for like answering no to these questions but rather he he loves us and so he wants to come alongside and by his word and by his spirit wants to free us and maybe lay things down or maybe there's things we need to surrender Right? There's reasons why. But just know you're approaching a loving God that sent his son to die for you, to be reconciled and redeemed back to this perfect design that sin messed up. And so right now, however you answer these questions, know that as we praise and as we pray, that we're coming before a God that loves you dearly and desires only the best for you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word and as challenging, as countercultural as, as it can be, we, we do receive it. We receive all that you're doing in us, all that you want to do. And God, we don't want to be a stagnant people. We don't want to not grow. We want to grow into your image. We want to die to ourselves. We want to cast aside 
the sin that so easily entangles us. We want to die to our flesh. We want to say no to the temptations of the enemy in our lives. We want to say yes to your work and your will in our life. God, we thank you for the areas that you've grown us. We thank you for the areas that you've healed us and made us more like you. But we as a church corporately and us individually, we do want to surrender those areas where we still need some help. We still need some attention. There's still room to grow. God, I'm the first one to say, like, Lord, help us. God, help us to be freed of the things of the world, to fix our eyes upon you, to fully surrender to your will, to what you want for our lives. So God, even as we enter into this time of worship, I pray that we would fully praise you and then fully engage in prayer and communion with you. So we pray, God, that you would anoint this time, have your way. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen.